we, of course, as I mentioned, are finishing our series on heaven. It's been six weeks where we've been looking at heaven, but not so much what heaven is, but why it matters. Why forever matters today. And I hope that through this series, you recognize that a right understanding of heaven uh, gives us powerful, powerful living. It gives us unshakable joy. It gives us purpose in life. It helps us keep everything in context, both the joys as well as the hardships. It helps us make sure that we live wisely today because we know what reality truly is. It's a powerful thing. So today, we're going to finish this up. So far, we've uh, talked about why the resurrection matters. We started on Easter with that. And no resurrection, no heaven. So duh, it matters, all right, because we get to live forever. Big time stuff. We talked about why the restoration matters, how heaven isn't a new creation. It's a restoration, right? It's new heaven, new earth, not new things, but things made right the way that it was supposed to be. Talked about the design, why the design matters and why all those crazy numbers, what God is telling us in Revelation by the design of heaven. Uh, powerful, powerful things. We talked about presence matters, why it matters that, that God is there. Why God's presence makes a difference for us for eternity and the hope that we have, the knowledge, the assurance that we get to be in God's presence forever. He's not leaving. We talked about why access matters, why it's so important for us to be able to have access to the tree of life and the waters of life and to God himself and how that changes us. Right. And today, as we complete this, we're going to talk about why timing matters, because at the end of the Bible in this chapter, this is the last chapter in the Bible, all the way to the very last sentences is what we'll be studying today. And I think it's amazing how God focuses on timing, that it matters because the, the visions of heaven are over. And now he talks about what he should do with us. So let's get into it. The, the verses that we're going to have today uh, come to us, of course, from Revelation 22, verses 7 through 21. And this is what they say. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this book, because the time is near. I said that slower when I practiced it. Okay. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who practices or loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you his testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, let him who hears say, come, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take free the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. 
If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and of the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful way to end the coolest book ever written? <laughs> the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all God's people. Amen. So be it. Well, let's look at our passage today and why it matters. There's, there's three main points I want you to get. The first one is that Jesus' return is imminent, right? So hope it. I was going to put on there, expect it, but the font didn't work. But also, <laughs> even more important is that those of us in church shouldn't just expect it. We should hope for it, right? That's this the heart of what God wants us to have. Look, he says, behold, I'm coming soon. Verse 7, he says, because the time is near. You know, um, it's been 2,000 years right, since he gave that prophecy or that, those words. And, and they've held the church through hardship. They've held the church through difficult times. The expectation that Jesus is on the doorstep is just is true. And some would say, well, it's been 2,000 years. Why should we even expect him soon? I would say it's been 2,000 years of past. He says they're coming soon. Like, he's got to be really close. All right? He is, he, he, is, he is close. And the thing is, is that all, everything that we read in heaven is not a fairy tale. All the things that we talked about, about how the access, uh, we have access to God and the tree of life, how God's presence is going to be there, how the design shows that we have a place in heaven, that how much God values us. That we will be raised again along with all of those who have gone before us. And we will see them again. There is a, there is a reunion that will not end. That, that this world that was broken will be made right. It really will be made right. These things will happen soon. And so, when the troubles of life come, we don't lose hope. Our hope isn't in this world. My hope is not to be comfortable because that will never work out. My hope can't be to be healthy. Because all of us, our health fails eventually. And my hope can't be in my wealth. Because somebody eventually is going to get it. My hope is in something way more sure than that. I can enjoy those things while I have them. But my hope, my knowledge is this. I can just endure. This world is hard at times. And I can endure, right? Because I know there's a finish line. A long time ago, I was in shape, and uh, <laughs> I know you all laugh, but it's true. Uh, and I used to run this race that was called the 400 meter dash, and I got—I was so good at it, they, they let me run it in college. Even I was—I was like, that was my race, and I hated it because it is—it is like torture because you sprint, but you sprint for an entire lap. I don't know who came up with—I mean, some, the Spanish Inquisition or somebody came up with that race, but I was cursed to be good at it. And, <laughs> So we go, and boom, and you run around the thing. And I tell you, the first, the first hundred, you're going around the corner, and you're th- feeling good. And the second hundred, you're going on the straightaway, and you're, and you're still feeling pretty good, but then you're starting to get tired. And that third corner, you're like, oh, man, why did I run so fast those first two hundreds? <laughs> right? But you make it, you just endure, you endure, and then you get on that straightaway, and you see the finish line. And it doesn't matter how tired you are. You're like, I can do this. And out of nowhere would come an energy that, this is why I was good at it, by the way, is I was usually slower than everyone till the last hundred. 
And then I would pass them. And I would go, mm, and then they passed them. <laughs> right? Because there you could see the finish line. Because how we finish is so much more important than how we start. Jesus is coming back. His return is imminent. Heaven is at the doorstep. We can endure life. We can. The finish line is there. That's why Jesus showed us it. He said, everyone who endures will, will inherit these things. So don't give up. But let's take a step on the other side because life isn't entirely miserable. God is a gracious God. All good gifts come from him, right? The problem is his gifts are good, so good sometimes that we forget that they're just a foretaste of the real present, the real gift that's coming. And so we lose hope for heaven because we like this world so much. And that God wants us to enjoy this world. But this, this is not home. And so when good things come, when I get a promotion or when I have lots of good friends or I've got a great relationship, or when the blessings of life hit... Enjoy them. But we need to keep in context that our hope is not in those things. That I can enjoy those things, but they are just a small foretaste. What I like about the little things in life, the benefits and the blessings of this world, are just a tiny taste of what's coming, what's at the doorstep. They should whet my appetite for heaven. They should want, make me want to expect it all the more. If you've experienced joy or grace or laughter or peace... What we experience in this world is wonderful, but it is tiny compared to what's coming. So expect what's coming, right? Hope for it. Our, as Christians, our lives should be marked by our hope, right? The joy that people can't sink. They, they talk about in the scripture, it says it's, it's, a, it's a peace beyond understanding, right? In, this, in spite of what we face, our hope is for something. In spite of all the good things that we have, our hope is still for something bigger, Hope for heaven. This is what God wants us to do. And it is a joy-filled life that keeps things in perspective. He says, I am coming soon. Believe it, brothers and sisters. There is a time we will stand before the throne together. And its time is coming soon. So hope for it. The second main point that we will make today is that Jesus' return is imminent. Right? Therefore, live it. There's one thing to say I'm going to hope for it. But if it doesn't change our lives, then what good is our hope? Right? He says, blessed are those who wash their robes. They've got to do something. Outside, he said, are the dogs, right? Those who practice all these horrible things, right? There's one thing to know that Jesus is coming. It's entirely other thing to prepare your life for it. When I was in, in high school, as I lived here in Estes, and I was like most high schoolers, as I had a job. I had two jobs, actually, pretty much all the way through, because I'm good at spending money, so I knew I didn't make money. And so that's what I had to do. I had to work, work, work. And uh, I had these jobs. Now, here was one job that I had that was, I worked at the golf course. And it's amazing that I could do it because I had to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I mean, that was a miracle. Um, but all I had to do at 4 o'clock in the morning is get there, and then we would gas up the mowers, and we would walk out onto the field, and you could be a zombie. I mean, you think about zombie movies, and this is what they do. Right? So that's what I did. And we mowed the grass. Right? And, and uh, that was all fantastic. And, uh, and, you had a lot of freedom in that job. And so uh, what would happen oftentimes is by the end of the day, about 2 o'clock, when it was about ready to wrap up, it's, you know, some of the guys would be down there in the shop, never me, uh, mind you, but some of them would be down in the shop just goofing off, playing cards or whatever, just kind of wasting the boss's money. That's what they were doing because they, they did not expect the boss to come in because he was always out playing at that time of the day. 
Well, he caught wind of this at some point, and so he started showing up every day at about 1.30, right? And I will tell you, things changed, right? At, at about 1 o'clock, there was a flurry of activity in the maintenance shed, right? People were working, Right. And when the boss showed up, man, the mowers were clean. The, the shop was swept. It was neat and tidy. The, I mean, it was amazing. The difference that and, and he didn't show up every single day. He just showed up some days. But because we expected it, boy, did it change behavior. Right. Get this. Jesus tells a parable. Actually, a couple parables. He says the kingdom of God is like. And he uses a, 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 a story that made sense to the culture. He talks about a wedding. And this guy marries ten brides. Now, in our culture, that just does not make sense. And then he's going to show up to get her at any time. In our culture, weddings are a little different, right? I mean, the, the groom can't just show up whenever and grab the bride, right? They've got wedding plans, gosh darn it. And they've got like a, a dance afterwards. You can't just show up willy-nilly. But it was a different culture. So just play along with Jesus on this, this story because it makes sense to how we should expect it. So he's marrying these ten women. And, and they don't know, they know about when he's going to come, about the day. They, they, they don't know exactly when. And so he says, I'm going to show up. And so be ready. And so they go out and they have these lamps just in case he's late in the, in the day. So they have their lamps and they go out there and they light the lamps because it gets dark and they're waiting and they're waiting. And some of them fall asleep because it's so late. And then finally, the groom shows up and, he, and, and this would happen. And they would blow this loud trumpet and they would say, hey, the groom is coming. And so like the big party is going to start, but it's late at night. And some of the women, you know, they they look at their lamps and they had burned out. And other women had extra oil and they poured the oil into their lamps so they could light them again. So the, 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 the groom would know this is where we are. Right. Come come get us. And five of them didn't bring any extra oil. They didn't prepare. They they didn't expect him to come when he came. And they were like. Sisters, let us have some of your oil. And their sisters are like, sorry, I don't have enough for all of us. You're going to have to go into the city in the middle of the night to buy oil. Good luck. And those other ones, because they weren't expecting, had to go into the city. And they tried to find oil. And who can buy oil in the middle of the night? And so the groom came and took the five brides who were wise and were expecting him. And he brought them into the wedding feast. But the other five came back later. They, and they knocked on the door and said, tuck, tuck, tuck. and you think, the guy's marrying her. They should know these, these gals. But. Nonetheless, it's a story. So they knock on the door. And they're like, hey, let us in. And he opens the door and looks at and says, I can tell you the truth. I don't know you. And they were shut out. Not welcomed. Jesus tells us that story for, for a reason. There is a reality that exists. Jesus is coming back and we have to be ready. Right? At any moment, our banner needs to be clear. Are we expecting him? Is our life show that we are expecting him? Are we, have we washed our robes? Have we, have we come to Jesus in faith? Right? But is our faith living? Is your life, if you look at your life today, if Jesus came back, can, can you say, you know what? He would be very, it would be very clear that I'm his follower. Then when he comes back, would I be like one of those guys in the maintenance sheds that's playing cards? Or I'd be one that's, that's cleaned up, that's actually doing my father's work. Because the thing is, we don't know exactly the time he is coming, so we must be ready always. That's what he wanted us to do. His return is imminent. That's what it means. There is no day off from being a believer because we live for an eternal kingdom. Nor would we want a day off from being a believer, would we? Why would we want to stop living this great life? But the reality is that we, we have to live like it. 
as Christians, if we try to tell the world, Jesus is coming back, but our lives look like a mess, like we're just lazy, like we're like, oh yeah, he'll come back eventually, right? He'll forgive me for being lazy, right? What kind of testimony is that? Not only are we robbing ourselves of joy in life, but we're living very unwisely. Our testimony is a very pitiful thing. They're like, you don't really expect him to come back. Look at how you live. But if we know he is at the door, and he is, I mean, maybe today, maybe before the end of the sermon, I mean, you can all pray. Sometime soon, he is coming. Are you living like it? It should change how we exist. That is the Christian life, a life of expectation of something fantastic on the doorstep. Our Lord is coming back. Make that your lifestyle. Let that help you through the difficulties in life when you want to give up and say, no, I can't give up because he is coming. When it's easy to become fat and lazy with our, with our blessings, let this expectation, this knowledge that he's coming drive us to a different kind of lifestyle, to invest our blessings in his kingdom because there's better blessings up there. Live like it. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. Third point that I want to make, that, I want, that, that we see from this passage, that Jesus' return is imminent. You get that? His return is imminent. Therefore, welcome it. Welcome it. Says the Spirit and the bride say, come. God wants you to be there. Let all who hear say, come. Shouldn't it be our heart that, that this is a party you want everyone to come to? Right? Let's welcome others. I mean, look how he says, whoever is thirsty, let anyone, let them come. We don't have to be exclusive. We don't have to wonder, who should I share my faith with? Right? Are they good enough to make it into the kingdom? No. No, they're not. Right? That's the whole point. Neither was I, but God invited me anyhow. All of this, and this was our passage. Hugh testifies, yes, I'm coming soon. And I love the heart. Get the heart in this. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Is, is your life lived in such a way that you can say that? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I am ready today. I am ready right now for him to come. Is your life in such a way that, that when Jesus shows up, that's going to be a, a time of joy for you or fear? I tell you what, if you have people in your life that don't know Christ, that you love deeply and you haven't shared your faith with, I bet you, you probably are thinking, I want Jesus to come, but not quite yet. Right? If you are living in such a way right now that, that's really self-centered, missing out on the kingdom, and you know you're not investing in the kingdom, the way that he, you might not be welcoming his return. You might be thinking, well, I'll be ready later. <laughs> but we don't have that option. It's not our luxury to set God's timing. The only way that really in our hearts we're going to be able to welcome his coming is, one, are we ready for him? Are we in his kingdom? Are you a believer? Like when he comes, when he calls you, will you hear him? Right? Have you given your life to Jesus as, as your Savior and as your God? If you do, he says, come. This kingdom is yours. Then when he comes back, you're going to be able to welcome it. Right? It's not going to be a fearful thing. For those who stand opposed to Jesus, his return will be a, a fearful day. In fact, it's called the great and terrible day of the Lord. Because if you're his enemy, I can't imagine anything more terrifying. And you wouldn't welcome his return at all. But he's coming back. But if you're his follower... You have been saved by God's grace through His, uh, through His, I mean, saved by God's grace through your faith in Jesus, as your Lord and Savior. Uh, you can welcome His coming. Whether He comes by day or night, whether you're sleeping or awake or at work or at home, 
you will be filled with joy. You can welcome His coming. But also, those of us who are in Christ, we can welcome His coming by how we live. Are we talking... Are we about God's work today? I tell you, when I was back at that that, uh, maintenance shed, and we were hard at work, right? And the boss would show up, and he would see us hard at work. Boy, did we ever welcome his coming, right? Because, look at this. (laughs) Look at what we have done, right? Look at your lives and your friends and those that you love and you care about. Do they know the love of Jesus? Right? Have you shared that with them, the joy and the hope that you have? Have you been able to talk about and express to them this hope that is for them too? That's going to help you welcome His coming. Now, you look at your life and you say, I know that God's purposes in my life are being fulfilled. I know I'm doing what He created me for. That's wonderful. And if not, well then, why not? Why not? Why not change? I mean, there are things that you... Now is the time. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. We're going to talk about how do you... How do you make the most of, of these days? How do you make most of this opportunity that we have now? Right? Well, there are some things that we talked about at the beginning. Um, and uh, there are some next steps, actually, that I've even written down for you to kind of help you with that. And so if you would mind take out that little green card. Here in a minute, we're going to take our offering. Um, but also, I'd love for you to drop this in, in there. Um, on the back side of it, there are some next steps. So some ways that you can... Uh, you can connect with Christ. And the first one, memorize his word. You know, it's amazing. Like if you memorize this passage, think about it from time to time. That these are the words of Jesus, faithful and true. The one who testifies, that he who testifies of these things says, yes, I am coming soon. So amen, come Lord Jesus. Maybe that's something that you need to do to set your heart on that. Maybe you're not living with expectation. Maybe that's something that you could do. How about pray for an unbeliever, somebody that you know who doesn't know Jesus yet. Begin by praying for them. Ask that God will give you his heart for them, an opportunity to share the hope that you have with them, right? Especially if there's somebody in your family or a friend. How much more so? The other one is share your faith. Maybe there's somebody you have been praying for. And you know what I would always do before I share my faith is I ask God for opportunity. Because I don't ever want to bully somebody in the kingdom. It's not how God works. God is a loving, gracious God. He prepares people's hearts and then we respond, right? So I, I pray for the person. I say, God, prepare the opportunity and give me the wisdom to see it and the, and the courage to take advantage of it, right? Give me the words to speak. So what I pray. And you know what the God does? He provides opportunities. It's amazing. Maybe that's what you need to commit to. Another thing that we're going to do, this next thing is the seven weeks that we're going to be doing. We're going to be, actually, the next six weeks, we're going to be going through the book of James. The book of James, we're going to be starting, it's, it's a series called Growing Strong. And it's all about living with the expectation of Christ's return. Right? How do we live for the kingdom now? Right? How do we grow in the kingdom? How does our faith uh, grow us? Right? Um, if, if you need some help, some practical tools to how do you live for Christ today, then commit to coming these next six, seven weeks right? as we go through the book of James. You're going to get tools. You're going to get from the word of God. This is how we can grow strong in Christ and set our lives on a path so when he comes back, we will be ready for him. That's what we'll do. So maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe there's something else that, that uh, you need to commit to. Write that down. Why? Because I will be praying for you this week. If you make a commitment and let me know about it, I will be praying for you that God will be with you and he will help you keep it. And you know what? He does. Uh, also on the other side, maybe this is the big one. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can't welcome his coming. You're not in the kingdom yet. But the good news is that the invitation is sent to you. All you have to do is accept it. If you need to start a relationship with Jesus... 
mark that down or come and talk to me. I will share with you what does it mean to follow Jesus. How do we become his follower? What does it mean to follow him? Right? There's also next week, there's a membership class. If you've been a follower or you're pretty close, you want to know about that, uh, come join us with that. Also, maybe baptism. Maybe you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you repented, you, you've uh, confessed him as your Lord and Savior. He also asked, tells us to be baptized, to, to be immersed in water, to be buried with him and be raised again this new life. Maybe that's a step that you need to take to say, I'm being obedient, I'm expecting his coming, right? Uh, there's, there's a lot of things, but let us know what your commitment is. We will be praying for you, but start living for Christ today. He's at the door. His return is imminent. What a great thing is that. I'm going to pray for us. Um, and uh, after I pray, um, Judd will be praying for the offering, and then you can drop those green cards uh, as the baskets are passed. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word of hope, your word of truth, Father, that tells us that you are coming soon. Uh, Lord, you don't lie. You can't lie. It's impossible for you to lie, because if you speak something, it just happens. You said, let there be light, and there was, Father. When you... When you speak, it is so. And so when you say you are coming soon, so it is. You are coming soon. It is impossible for it not to be. Let that be our hope. Father, let us hope for that in our lives in such a way that it generates an anticipation for you. That is contagious. Father, that is evident. Father, I pray that we would live uh, like you are coming back. Let that anticipation and the knowledge to know that you are on the doorstep change how we live. Let us live for your purposes, Father, as a church. And Lord, and there are commitments that are being made right now. Father, to serve you, to live for you. Father, I pray that you would bless each one of those and the people that makes them. I pray that your spirit would be in the midst of those and give them the courage and the tenacity, Father, the follow through uh, to keep those commitments to live for you. Father, we pray against the enemy in people's lives that would tell them that they cannot do this and they cannot live for you or they could put it on the back burner because, Father, those are lies. And we pray against those. But, Father, we pray for your truth in our lives, the knowledge that your, your return is imminent. Let us live like it. And, Father, ultimately... Let us be a church that welcomes your return. We want you to be welcome here. You said you're coming back, so amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is our prayer. Amen.